Governor Pritzker and his close staff will isolate for two weeks as an unnamed staff member tests positive for COVID. And after 36 years, market research company Nielsen will return to where it was founded, picking Chicago as HQ for its consumer unit. Crane's reporter John Pletz joins the podcast today to talk about the move. It's both focus groups with you know what consumers are shopping for, what they like, as well as gathering up a lot of data from retailers and figuring out what you're actually spending your money on. I'm Amy Guth, and this is Crane's Daily Gist. It's Tuesday, September 29th. In these uncertain times, it's important to have people you trust by your side. When 11,000 local business owners needed a Paycheck Protection Program loan, they turned to their Wintrust banker to secure funding because that's a relationship they can count on. Businesses are navigating some of the biggest challenges they will ever face. Wintrust is here to answer their calls. They'll answer yours too. Start the conversation at Wintrust.com slash Daily Gist. Member FDIC. joined now by Cranes reporter John Pletz here to talk about a big move for Nielsen. I think a brand a lot of us are familiar with, but Nielsen has picked Chicago as headquarters for its consumer unit. Tell me about this. So yeah, Nielsen is coming back to Chicago, a company that was actually founded in the 1920s in Chicago, but uh, moved away for a long time. They're bringing uh, the company's headquarters back here. And this is a piece of the Nielsen business that, that most people don't know. So in addition to figuring out who watches and listens to what, which is Nielsen's media business, which I think everybody's very familiar with, they also have a a business that predates the media business, which is figuring out what consumers buy, both focus groups with, you know, what consumers are shopping for, what they like, as well as uh, gathering up a lot of data from retailers and figuring out what you're actually spending your money on. So that's the business that's going to be headquartered here in Chicago. And why the move from New York to Chicago? Nielsen uh, has decided to split the company in two. There's been a lot of that going on for the last several years. And so the media business is staying in New York. The business they're spinning out, which is what they call their global consumer business, was looking for a home. And Chicago happens to be not only the company's traditional home, but it also has the largest office for that group. So they have about 600 people already in Chicago. And then when you look to the management team that seems that they're building, it feels like that group has got some pretty big Chicago roots. Their new CEO, David Rawlinson, spent the last seven or eight years at Granger up in Lake Forest. And their CFO is Chandler Bigelow, who was hired from the Tribune. So there's a, you know, a fair amount of the executive talent has strong Chicago roots. So they know the city well. Uh, both of them are here, and so they decided that this is a, a good location. The company already has, you know, a strong base of operations. They know the talent pool, uh, so now they're going to put the headquarters here. What is the significance of having this in Chicago? What will it mean to Chicago to have this division of Nielsen here? Well, it's a really good fit for Chicago. I mean, you know, it's always good to have headquarters of publicly traded companies. That's a good thing, but it also really plays to Chicago's strengths. So if you think about uh, consumer packaged goods business here, companies like Kraft, like Mondelez, uh, that are based here. This adds to that, you know, and, and so you get a, you get a certain density. And so, you know, we've long had, you know, companies like uh, Quaker Oats and, you know, which, which rolled up into PepsiCo. 
And a lot of that business here, this adds to that. And the more density you get, the easier it is to attract talent, particularly executive talent. And it uh, it helps grow the whole pool. So that's a you know that's a huge advantage. A lot of what they do is also focused on data analytics. And Chicago has yeah, a surprisingly strong base in that, in data science and data analytics with a lot of the consumer packaged goods companies. And this is really going to add to that. That's pretty crucial to what Nielsen does. So you've got companies like uh, Symphony IRI here in Chicago, and this will add to that talent base. And so it becomes a bigger draw. It's sort of a flywheel. And the more you get, the more that will come. And do you have a sense of, of how big this operation will be in terms of potential jobs? It's not a huge number of jobs given that they have such a large presence here already. So, you know, they're going to, they figure they're going to hire, you know, maybe 50 folks uh, over the next couple of years, but those are 50 jobs that you want. Those tend to be, you know, executive jobs uh, in everything from, you know, HR, legal finance. Those are good jobs to have. And Chicago's got a good base of that talent, which I think was, you know, one of the other draws for that. You know, Chicago's always been uh, sort of a corporate headquarters town. And this adds to that. We, and we've had several companies that have uh, chosen Chicago over the years for that. And so what's the timeline of this move? How, how soon will they be moving into town? I think the headquarters officially transfers uh, January 1. They're hoping to finish off the transaction to split the companies in the first quarter of next year. Like everything else, it got delayed by COVID. I think they were, they were hoping to do that a little faster. So that's the timeline. But, you know, given how much of a presence they already have here, you know, it's not like the executive team isn't already spending a lot of time in Chicago. And, and what will that company split mean in terms for how the two areas of focus for Nielsen operate? Still fairly interdependent or pretty separate? Pretty separate. And that was one of, you know, that was one of the reasons for, for doing the split is that the, you know, the media business, particularly with all of the content that is streaming now and, and the content that is on digital platforms rather than the traditional uh, radio and uh, TV broadcasting platforms, those, those businesses are, are much more different uh, now than they used to be. And so I think, I think they'll operate uh, pretty independently. All right. Well, we will keep turning to you for the latest as they move in and set up shop. Thanks so much for chatting today. Welcome. Thanks for having me. Coming up, At Properties has announced a plan to establish franchises around the nation. We'll talk more about that and other stories right after this. Chicago Comes Back provides resilient leadership insights to help your business move forward from the pandemic. Delivered on Thursdays, this free e-newsletter features up-to-date information and guidance for Chicago's businesses. Sign up at chicagobusiness.com slash Chicago Comes Back. I'm Albie Galoon. I'm government and politics reporter A.D. Quick. And I cover commercial real estate for Crane. And you're listening to Crane's Daily Gist with Amy Guth. Governor J.B. Pritzker and his close staff members are self-isolating for two weeks after a member of the governor's team tested positive for COVID-19. The governor's press office said that the unnamed person tested negative last Wednesday during weekly testing at the governor's office, but experienced symptoms and tested again Monday, confirming the positive. This marks the second time the governor has had to self-isolate after a staff member tested positive. The first time was in May, and the senior staff member in that instance has since recovered. The person who tested positive this 
this week, attended events with the governor on Wednesday in Chicago, where Governor Pritzker joined Mayor Lightfoot, Cook County Board President Preckwinkle, and other community members to discuss the Breonna Taylor decision. The person was also with the governor on Thursday at a census event in Marion and Sunday at a ceremony to honor the National Guard and Illinois Gold Star families. The governor's press office says in a release that the staff member and the governor both wore masks during the entirety of their interactions and that contact tracing is now underway. The governor will continue to hold regular COVID-19 press briefings, which are live streamed at Illinois.gov slash live video, as well as on Facebook and Twitter. House lawmakers unveiled bipartisan legislation to reform aircraft manufacturing in the wake of the Boeing 737 MAX disasters, something that would partially undo efforts over decades to streamline aviation industry approval processes. The measure, released on Monday, would tighten the FAA's control of programs at Boeing and other companies that allow workers to sign off on their company's own aircraft designs and would also require an expert panel to review Boeing's safety culture. The events that led to the crashes on the MAX, quote, alarmed and outraged lawmakers, said Representative Peter DeFazio, the Oregon Democrat who is chairperson of the Transportation and Infrastructure Committee. The bill, he says, is an effort to, quote, meaningfully address the gaps in the regulatory system for certifying aircraft and adopt critical reforms that will improve public safety and ensure accountability at all levels going forward. And there appears to be strong support for the bill, but contentious pre-election politics and disputes over what such legislation should include could also hinder passage this year. The bill is also supported by several unions, including those representing the FAA's engineers and inspectors. The legislation was released as the FAA and other global aviation regulators are getting close to approvals to return the plane to service after it's been grounded since March of 2019. FAA Administrator Steve Dixon plans to fly the plane this week in a demonstration meant to reassure the public. Democrats on the House committee earlier this month concluded an 18-month investigation into exactly what went wrong with the 737 MAX design, finding fault with engineering failures, deception by Boeing, as well as insufficient oversight by the FAA. However, the House legislation is not intended to end the controversial program that allows the FAA to deputize company workers to sign off on its own designs, but it does give the agency more authority over who companies pick for such duty. Find more detail on this story as well as on many other others at chicagobusiness.com. One of the state's two coal-fired power plant operators plans to close its entire downstate fleet within the next six years. Irving, Texas-based Vistra Energy, which operates the five remaining coal burners in the service territory of Ameren, Illinois, unveiled a clean energy initiative this week that sets up a timeline for retiring its coal plants in Ohio and Illinois. Vistra said it will retire the Baldwin and Joppa plants in southern Illinois no later than 2025 or sooner, quote, should economic or other other conditions dictate. The Kincaid and Newton plans southeast of Springfield will close no later than 2027 with the same deal. Under the plan, which will require action in Springfield, Vistra would convert its coal plant sites into solar facilities accompanied by batteries that could store some of the energy when it's not needed. Vistra had already announced the planned closure of a plant near Peoria, which will happen by the end of 2022. Vistra's exit from the business in Illinois leaves just three coal burners in the state, one in Pekin, one in Romeoville, and one in Waukegan, all operating without a timetable for closure. 
Chicago's biggest residential real estate brokerage, App Properties, has announced a national franchise system. The 20-year-old brokerage, led by founders Thad Wong and Mike Golden, grew steadily and in 2019 became the area's top-selling brokerage with about $9.6 billion in residential property sales. In March of last year, the firm started expanding outside the area when it acquired an Atlanta brokerage and made another acquisition in May of this year in Charlottesville, Virginia. Wong said a key part of App Properties' appeal as a franchise is its custom-built tech package that puts all aspects of an agent's business in one software system and said the focus on developing such tech has fueled the company's growth locally over the past two decades. Steve Murray, who is president of the Colorado real estate industry research firm Real Trends and not associated with App Properties, said that franchising is a smart next step for them and pointed to the firm's technology, saying that it underlies all their growth, adding that, quote, if they're offering it to franchisees, it's going to spark growth. App Properties has 37 offices in the Chicago area, as well as in Lake Geneva, as well as in the southwest Michigan slash northwest Indiana area. And that's Crane's Daily Gist for now. Our continuous news feed lives at chicagobusiness.com. Thanks so much to our guest today, Crane's reporter, John Pletz. Be sure to subscribe to these conversations on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your audio on demand. And find hashtag Crane's Daily Gist on Twitter, Facebook, and LinkedIn. And let's continue talking there about these and other business stories. Our show is produced by Todd Manley at Earsight Studios. I'm Amy Guth. Thanks so much for listening, and I'll meet you right back here next time.